0: doing this work. Last week, Oakland City Councilmember Carol Fife went public with some of the voicemails and threats she has been receiving. While it shocked many in the ge- of the general public, there were some of us who were not surprised at all. That's because there are some of us who live with these kinds of threats, hateful emails and attacks on our character every single day. There seems even to be of late an uptick in the, both the volume and viciousness of the attacks and threats and language. Uh, we are joined this morning by Councilmember Carol Fife, longtime community organizer and representing District 3. She was elected in 2020. Good morning, Councilmember Fife. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. We're also joined by Melina Abdullah, professor and the chair of Pan-African Studies at Cal State Los Angeles, as well as the co-founder of the Los Angeles chapter of Black Lives Matter and co-founder of Black Lives Matter Grassroots. Good morning, Melina. Good morning, Sister Kat. And I guess I, I feel like I, I, I got to do a, a trigger warning, though I, I, I vacillate about how I, f- I feel about those. But we are going to um, play some of the recordings that Council Member Fife has received. And Melina, you're going to share some of the, the emails that you've received. And, and I'm going to share some of my own. I want to start with um, uh, Kirsten, uh, our engineer. I want to start with the, the first uh, clip we have of um, a call that Carol received. Roll tape, please
1: wrong with you Democrats?
2: Do you need to be murdered? Do you need to be carjacked or raped to get it through your thick goddamn <laughs> skull? What is wrong with you? Do you have security? Huh?
1: Yeah? Well, you people are sick. You Democrats are so out of control in every aspect of what you're doing that we want you all gone. All of you. We want Trump back. We don't want your stupid...
2: Biden, who has Alzheimer's, we don't want that. Bitch Kamala Harris, Harris, who doesn't know what the hell to do. None of you people know what you are doing, and you all need to go, including you. So go nurture
1: your little criminals, and hopefully, you'll be raped and murdered.
0: Carol, what made you decide to go public with the voicemails you've been receiving? I mean, I know because you know we're in communication. You've been getting these for quite some time. Why now?
1: Uh. Right now, I thought it was important because people think I exaggerate about Mm. just doing this work, and they don't know the burdens that we carry while we're trying to actually do work that changes the community, that benefits the community and and transforms it to what we all want and deserve. And quite frankly, there's been an increase in the uh, harassment that I've been receiving and I want people to understand that uh, when you're trying to change the status quo, there's a lot that comes along with that. And there, uh, the calls are just, are you know, it's an extreme version, but what's happening locally is just as problematic, if not more, because of the frenzy that people are in and the fear that people are in right now. So I, I thought it was important to kind of give an understanding of what what I'm experiencing as so many of us are, it's not just me. We have other elected officials in the Bay area or Emeryville, um, you know, the BART board. Um, I've talked to black women in Elk Grove all over California and all over the nation who've experienced this type of harassment.
0: What has community response looked like since uh, you released the tapes?
1: I've received several texts and inbox messages, to different social media accounts and phone calls with people expressing their just outrage that this type of activity is permissible. Um, But, uh, you know, I've received a lot of concern and I appreciate every single person that's reached out to me. But it is interesting and glaring that there's been no, um, how do I say, there's been no interest by um, black organizations um, in Oakland or the so-called law enforcement organizations to kind of take this seriously. Everything that I have to do to keep myself safe, it is interesting that we're seeing that the, the systems that people say are the ones that are going to keep you safe are the ones that are the most silent.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about law enforcement and, and, and some of the the hate that we receive, because I'm not convinced that some of those folks aren't uh, law enforcement, as a matter of fact. Melina, uh, can you share um, something that you've received?
2: Sure. Well, I receive, um, and, and my heart goes out to you, Sister Carol. Um, you know I'm in Los Angeles, but I'm from Oakland, and greatly appreciate the leadership that you've offered and um know that being true to leading um black folks in los angeles or for black folks in los Los angeles and oakland that there's great risk right um and for for people in oakland generally when we talk about transforming systems we can't pretend as if the system is not going to come back at you full force so we're we're grateful i'm grateful that you're willing to put yourself on the line in the way that you have and want to just express my love and care um, and anything that I can offer. Cat um, knows I might not have a whole lot and I might be a, um, a not-so-spring chicken, but uh, I'll fight. I got two <laughs> fists, so, you know, they come for you. They're coming for at least three of us. Um, so I just want to <laughs> offer that. Um, Same. I'll say that these kinds of things Things are things that I've been getting almost every day um, for years now. Um, And it's, you know, DMs, it's um, emails to my university email address, which is public. It's calls to the university demanding my firing sometimes, but also leaving voice messages for me um, that talk in many of the terms um, that 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 Carol has here most recently um i guess two days ago i received a dm which was just as, as you asked for examples i was like oh i just got this oh. one today saying i want to a um can we say that word on the air you know, i want i can't
0: ever remember the words that we're not allowed to use okay. but it,
2: it, let's just say but a I, I know. anal rape you um is is the last one that i got Um, And I get those all the time. The thing for me, and then I'll be quiet, is that um, when we get these online attacks or phone call attacks, um, it's not that our skins aren't thick. It's not like we can't take the words. But the issue becomes that these words often do translate into real-world attacks. So physical attacks, I've been physically attacked. Numerous times, I've had people show up at my job and threaten to kill me and put um, signs on my doors saying, We know where you are, right? Um, and when they do that, it's not just me, but I, I have a right to live too, but I'm also a single mother of three children, um, and it jeopardizes the lives of my children. So we have to take these threats and um, attacks and words seriously. Because they do sometimes translate into real-world harm.
0: There's so many places I want to go, but I'm going to, because you brought up your children, Melina, all three of us are our mothers uh, and, and mothers of, of daughters. Um, the very first threat that I remember getting was about a decade ago. It was the first profile that was ever done on me. And uh, you're not supposed to read the comments, but I did And inside of those comments was a threat to rape my child, who at that time was, you know, seven or eight years old. Carol, I'll start with you, and then uh, Melina definitely wanna hear you chime in. Uh, What is it like for you as mothers when you read or hear threats of violence against your children? Part two of that question is, do your children know and what has the impact on them been, Carol?
1: Wow. And I'm going to try to keep it together because I remember that threat that you received. Um, I see your daughter as my daughter. And, oh, God. Woof. I'll just say that right now. Um, my, I try to keep my children um, away from some of the things I experienced quite honestly last night. <clears throat> My daughter said, "I should know what you're going through." And I said, "No, what I want you to do is continue to dream about a world that should be, where you don't have to... I'm an both. It's okay You can go to Molina. Okay.
0: Uh, Melina? Uh, I mean, sorry. I know that your I'm children have had to move. You've had to yeah. move your children.
2: My children, who are now 12, 16, and 19, are used to the word relocation. That, okay, we got to relocate, right? Um, and I'm so sorry that um, that this is happening. I'm so sorry that our daughters have to experience this. Um, My children who have also received direct threats, right? Threats through me, but um, my children are also active. My daughters are the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter Youth Vanguard. Um, And just the last one I know about was a couple of weeks ago when my oldest daughter, who's away at college, was receiving online threats um, from a white supremacist who's actually shown up at my job before. Um, Our children go through this with us, and I agree with um, what Councilwoman Fife is saying, that we should protect them, and we wish that they could just dream a world. But also, I feel like the approach that I've taken with my children is I don't share every threat because they're daily. But when there's um, threats that affect me and my way of being and my spirit, I do choose to share it with them. Not always all the details, but I share it with them because I feel like that's a way also of arming them. And although we want them to be able to imagine and play and be free, um, unfortunately, the world targets them. And so I want them to be able to arm themselves. And um, I have chosen to share, again, some of the more serious threats with them. And as I shared, some of the threats are not just online but show up in person. So they have to be aware. There's many days where my children are not allowed to take public transportation or go places by themselves. Um, because of of threats or um, actual real-world folks showing up. And, you know, it's a terrible way to be, to have to be, but that's how we have to be sometimes. Yeah, I never
0: told my child... I, I never shared with her uh, th- threats directed at her, but because of the security culture... Um, that we have to live inside, she knows when something is up, right? And what I've seen with her is the anxiety uh, producing impact on her, right? Um, That if a big article uh, uh, about me is coming out or there's a lot of press at an action, um, her being to a place where she gets immobilized, where she doesn't want to leave the house. And as a matter of fact, we just moved. We moved because she... We moved because she uh, was going to move out of the house with me, because she felt so unsafe. Um, and and in a desperate attempt, you know, to keep my child in the house, um, we d- we just moved. I left my home. Councilmember Fife, I want to I want to turn back to you if if you're ready. If not, that's okay too. This is our time. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, yes. I don't share any of the things that are emailed or um, you know, the voicemails. I don't share any of that with my daughter. Um, But she's witnessed some of the things that I've experienced. I know Melina, you've experienced the same um, with condoms on your car or, you know, the dead animals. I know you've, um, you know, experienced some of those things. So it's, it's difficult to not see, but I will say that, you know, like um, Malcolm X said that the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. And the most neglected person in America is the black woman that she has had her own experiences in eighth grade. One of her classmates told her he was going to shoot her because she told him to stop using an word. And, you know, this could have been just a, you know, Young person who was, you know, not well, but because, you know, he had access to firearms that his father owned and had access to the neighbor's firearms and had had pictures taken down from Instagram of himself with those firearms. We took that threat very seriously and she began independently to organize other black girls who had been assaulted physically uh, around the Bay Area to address that through an organization that she created called Conju. And so even though I try to not tell my daughter specifically, some of the things that I've experienced, she's personally experienced them in her young life herself. And the firearm and access to firearms is one of the reasons that I also made public some of the harassment that I have received, because there's an individual in Oakland that is encouraging people to take up firearms and he has made himself very, very, um, central in, um, harassing me and very public on social media and sending me personal texts, emails that are just random. And, um, that, that is one of the primary concerns because it's right in my backyard.
0: I want to play uh, a, a second tape, and then I, I actually I want, to, I want to get into this conversation about what is happening um, locally, politically, um, that is fueling some of this, um, as well as talk about the national landscape. But can we play the second uh, clip, please, Kristen? So your solution to crime is to nurture
1: your thugs, brothers and sisters out there committing crimes how pathetic, but typical of you, West Coast California trash. The real solution is to gather up all your n***as that are committing crimes God. out there because, let's face it, you know, Kurt Talk said it himself, the country is packed, blacks. full There's a reason why. Send you all out to the Congo or over the border to Mexico. Just get rid of it here. We don't want it. We're, we're tired of it. You you 13% of the population society. 115 half to 12% of that 13% are nothing but trash, scum, thugs, thieves, corrupt criminals, and even people like yourself. You're promoting nurturing. You want to nurture this, these thug coons, the trash, the scum of the earth. You want to nurture them. You're part of the problem. So you need to go also. And the rest of the trash out there in California. All you liberals and Democrats are nothing but trouble. Every state in this country...
0: That tape is uh, is along the lines of, of the types of vitriol that I get the most. There's uh, something I'm going to read here from the that's a comment. Uh, in one of my San Francisco Chronicle articles, uh, cat fails to address the root causes of the absolute chaos and disorder in the lives of low-income inner city blacks. They have a profound disinterest in education and lack any desire to develop their intellect or learn an honest trade. They languish in poverty and prisons due to their willing embrace of antisocial behavior. Oakland and other cities with a large concentration of low-income blacks are on the road to hell. Grow up and stop dodging your responsibilities. No one is coming to rescue you you. Melina, connect the anti-blackness that is as American as, as, as super cliche. Sorry, uh, I'm not feeling very pithy at the moment. But as American as apple pie, right? It is America is anti-black, um, and a lot of this vitriol is born out of stereotypes that are promoted and propagated um, about our people that actually the the ma- and that of which the maintenance of right is 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 critical to maintaining the status quo.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, we always say that this country is built on the stolen lands of indigenous people and the stolen labor and lives of black people. And so we know this country is founded on anti blackness and the dehumanization of black people. I think that when you talk about the targeting of black women in particular, you know, the ways in which We've been treated as both workhorses and breeders. What you're seeing is really just kind of uh, making contemporary those assignments of who we are. And so we need to remember that this country has always viewed us in this way. um, And very little has changed in terms of the way white supremacist, patriarchal, misogynistic capitalism approaches us um what i want to um, make sure of is that as we acknowledge that we also um, are compelled to action where we reject those assignments where we reject that targeting and where we push back against that targeting Um, one of the most hurtful things i've ever heard was when i first started receiving the threats And, um, you know, they came in the form, you know, I've had everything from three swattings happen at my house to white supremacists pull up in front of my house in a um, motor home, um, which I later um, was told was filled with explosives. Um, When I shared it with my community who was not black women, there were some black men in that community. One of the brothers said, well, what did you think you signed up for? You sound like you're whining. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that was, um, that's one of the things that we do have the power to rid our community of. You know, when black women, when people who are in this movement and put ourselves on the line for our people are targeted, the correct response is, well, if you come for one of us, you come for all of us. Not that it's whining to say, I don't feel safe and I need you. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'll lift up that this, this world is built this way, but we don't have to accept the world as this. Mm-hmm.
0: Councilmember Fife, anything you want to add there?
1: I agree. I agree. And I, I, I almost asked for forgiveness for getting emotional talk, my daughter, but it just reminds me that there's this other stereotype that black women are strong and they can take it. Like Melina said that you um, signed up for this, but sometimes I don't want to be strong. I'm going to be because I'm not just trying to make the world safe for my daughter. I'm trying to make the world safe for all of our daughters, all people. And so, um, you know, I will continue to, to do what I'm doing. This is the first time I've ever been public about what I'm experiencing, but once again, that is because the harassment is increasing and encouraged, it's being encouraged, particularly in West Oakland. And I think one of the ways that they're able to do that and justify it is by saying, um, you know, you signed up for this or don't be criminal, don't be corrupt. And so part of the harassment is the onslaught of ethics violation charges that members of the public are trying to Uh, insinuate into my electoral career. It's a tool that's being used to try to create a perception of me. There's also been uh, commentary that I associate with thugs and criminal organizations like uh, the Anti-Police Terror Project and Community Ready Corps and uh, the Democratic Socialists of America. And those people are responsible for murdering uh, Oakland residents. And so this narrative that's attempted Um, that's being crafted and perpetuated is one of the ways that people justify uh, the threat and the harassment and why I should not be in office, and that's something that we should pay attention to as well. But it is also the state, right? We know that the state is is allowing these narratives to be perpetuated, and I just need people to know and be aware when they hear these things to push back because the people are our greatest support. I've I've been asked, why haven't you reached out to the FBI if these things were real? And they just do not have a great track record when it comes to protecting black life and to black people who are challenging the status quo. So the threats are very real, and the state has never protected black women or men or activists or preachers (laughs) or teachers or anyone else, for that matter. Right.
0: Right. I want to talk about um, responses for, for uh, a little bit, and um, you, know, you mentioned, one of you mentioned earlier, um, I'm sorry, uh, Carol, I believe it was you, right, about the lack of any response from law enforcement, any meaningful response from law enforcement as you've revealed these threats. And one of the folks you're talking about, they're very aware of uh, that person's gun ownership. They're very aware of their rhetoric. They've, they've watched him um, engage uh, in, in threats, uh, at least, of, of um, violence. Um, but Melina, if you could walk through, because you said, you said earlier, um, you know, your house has been swatted three times. I don't know that folks know what that means. Because um, it's not just white supremacists that, that are attacking us. Talk about what it means to be swatted and who does swatting.
2: Right. So, you know, um, swatting is proof that the threats actually sometimes come from law enforcement. I don't know that there's a clean separation between white supremacists and law enforcement. Um, So swatting is when someone allegedly calls into police and makes a violent threat. The first time I was swatted, I did hear the tapes. It was supposedly um, uh, white teens motivated by racial hatred called into LAPD and said I was being held for ransom. And what that does is elicit a violent response from police. So my house was surrounded by several dozen police with assault rifles, helicopter overhead, And then we're threatened um, at gunpoint to come out with our hands up. Um, It was the first time, um, maybe the only time I was absolutely positive I was going to die. And thankfully I didn't. But this happened in 2020. Um, Police are in on it. Because when I came out the house with my hands up, Um, and was told to walk to the skirmish line, which is that line that police form. Um, I went to the skirmish line, and the sergeant asked if I was being held for ransom. And I said, what? No, of course not, right? And then I said, because we're trained, right, am I free to leave? And he said, yes. No search of the house, no checking to make sure the children were safe none of that right just yes so these um law enforcement agencies sometimes use swattings as a way to terrorize those that they also see as the enemy Um, they are complicit if not really the purveyors of these harms Um, i was swatted again two more times and you know at least one of them there is no 911 tape so i believe the police did it themselves um, without any help. But this is, this is what a swatting is, and this is one of the ways that police kind of join forces with violent white supremacists. And I think one of the reasons, and I don't want to put words in Sister Carol's mouth, but one of the reasons we don't go to police or FBI and find safety. In fact, when the white supremacist pulled up in front of my house, he called LAPD, and they came to protect his rights. Against the community instead of protecting me.
0: Wow, um, I don't know why I say wow. I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised, and and and, and yet you hear stuff like that. And I, I mean, maybe it's a good thing that I can still be shocked. Carol, I, I um, your 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 partner, um, Tarhaak, uh, founder of Community Ready Core, did a live yesterday. Um, where he highlighted, you know, some of the attacks, the lies, um, uh, and also the need uh, to to protect, you know, you and, and others uh, that are on the front line, you know, doing this work inside of our circle. Um, talk about, um, talk about the 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 role. That, that, our, that our brethren, that our brothers play in keeping us safe because we know that law enforcement does not and the additional weight of that on our community.
1: That's heavy because yeah. that is the reason I feel safe in my skin yeah. and in the world because of the work that he's done not only independently and as an individual, but also the community that he's, he's nurtured to keep people safe. And it's, once again, it's not just me, it's entire um, community, it's events, it's, um, you know, rallies and marches and, um, you know, other places and and spaces where this group of individuals that he's worked with and trained um, looks out for all of us. And yeah. it, sometimes it's, it's really scary to understand that if anything happened to him, then it would disrupt an entire community and network of peacekeepers and uh, individuals who create those safe spaces for us. And that is why I believe that he's also being targeted in an attempt to criminalize him through lies and slander. And, um, you know, this off they're not the same direct threats as me, but the attempts to pull him into fights to pull him into antagonistic relationships is also a tactic that we've seen in Pro in order to destabilize um, the work that he's doing. And so I am grateful for Terhaak and the Community Ready Corps and all of the individuals, the brothers and sisters, who, who stand with them to keep community safe and to keep me safe because I wouldn't be so otherwise. And I will say that I am giving the all of the voicemails and emails and texts that I've received to the Oakland police department, there is an active investigation. And I've done that because over the year and a half that I've been making complaints to the chief, they're like, well, we can't do anything unless we have it on record that these threats are real. So I'm putting it on the record. I'm making it public. So there can be no excuses of why nothing is being done. Do I expect something to be done as a result? No, but I'm taking
0: the steps that they said are necessary. I want to. Um, I want to ask you both about what we should be doing. Right, we know that law enforcement isn't the answer. And I just moderated a, a panel on abolition yesterday, um, and was was talking uh, a little bit about um, abolitionist responses to violence. And I don't, I don't think that we've quite figured that out yet. Um, but I'm interested to hear from both of you outside of the carceral state, which is in itself violent. How as a community should we be responding to to this type of behavior, these types of actions? Melina, I'll start with you.
2: I'll just say that I, I think we are figuring it out. Um, Kat, you know I've said this to you directly. Um, but beginning with love and care and Whenever something happens, the first person to call me is almost always you. And um, the way that we see each other, the way that you see human beings and Black women in particular, the way that I call you Sister Cat, not just because I call Black women sisters, but because you show up for me as a sister all the time. And so I think beginning with that kind of care, um, refusing to succumb to a world that tries to dehumanize, always seeing the humanity, especially in those who, as Carol was saying, you know, we're challenged to always be strong, right? To remember that we can't always be strong. So I think starting with that, I would say, second is building strong community. Um, each time, including that first swatting where I thought I was. I was sure I was going to die when I looked out to my right. There was, a, um, there was a, a skirmish line of cops armed with assault rifles. But then I looked to my left and my neighbors were in the streets. These are not activists. These are people who just want me as a black mother and their neighbor who they see walking in the neighborhood and sometimes comes over and, and laughs about things with them. They, wanna, they want us to survive. So building strong community is hugely important. And I think figuring out how to systematize those kinds of responses. So when police came to back the white supremacists who pulled up in front of my house, I also put out a call to neighbors to come, to community to come. And we outnumbered the cops. So they surrounded me and we surrounded them. And so those are the things I think we can be doing. Oakland is a tremendous example. That um, community core that you all have is phenomenal. And I think that we can continue to build that out.
1: So I think that we keep us safe is the answer. Councilmember Fife. I agree. I think we have, we have to keep ourselves safe because that is all we have. That is, uh, a necessity of doing this work because the systems we're trying to reconstruct don't support our safety. Um, I'm not sure how much you caught, but I, um, before the call dropped, but I was saying that our systems, um, through the leadership of, of Terha Ak, uh, have started to create those systems of safety for our communities. And that is what I rely on. And we need to, to support those and, and strengthen those and, and grow them. Um, I'm still this debating on how to deal with the personal threat. Um, Because, once again, I never gave them the light of day for the public to see because I also don't want to lift up the personalities and give them a platform to spew more hate. So it was a huge decision for me to publicize the little bit that I have publicized. But it is so we can understand that we need to build those systems of safety internally. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I will continue to do is to um, not allow the lies and the misinformation and the disinformation to discredit the organizations that we knew that we know do the work that needs to be done.
0: That's right. And one of the things that and we're we're running out of time here, but I, I do just want to lift up that that if they come for. Any they they've got to deal with the many that was one of the um, slogans that that Ter Haak um, birthed during around a protest um, and and it absolutely has to be true. He often talks about it is the people that are our greatest defense, right? And so we've got to be in consistent dialogue with the folks, letting them know, as he said yesterday, who we really are, what we're really about. Um, and, and, and our commitment to them. And uh, I, I, I said during King Day repeatedly, um, the people got to show up and show out for the people that show up and show out for them. Um, I wanna thank you both. Uh, you both are very, very two of the dearest uh, sisters that I have in my life. I wanna thank you for your vulnerability in this conversation, for your courageousness and for continuing even in the face of um, violence especially in the face of violence, to continue to, to work on behalf of our people every single second of every single day. Thank you both so much for coming on the show this morning.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Sister
0: Kit. Love you. Love you both. All right, we have been speaking to Councilmember Kara Fife, long-term community organizer, and the Oakland City Councilmember representing District 3. She was elected in 2020, as well as Dr. Melina Abdullah, Professor and Chair of Pan-African Studies at Cal State Los Angeles, as well as the co-founder of the Los Angeles chapter of Black Lives Matter and co-founder of Black Lives Matter Grassroots. You've been listening to Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law & Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fortnite Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.